Cup of tea tales. My only visit to Batley Variety Club. Freddy Starr. Oh, what a night. I was nudged into writing this tale after watching a video on YouTube of Freddie Starr performing live in the 1970s. It is still very funny and extremely clever. It made me remember what a brilliant performer he was and of the only time I saw him in his heyday. It was a night that I didn't expect a great deal from, but it was one I will never forget and it took place in 1972. Whilst in the sixth form at Roundy School we started venturing further afield for our entertainment. We still attended Leeds Polytechnic and University for rock concerts, but we dabbled at more varied fare. I can't remember who it was, but one of my friends in the lower sixth organised an evening out at Batley Variety Club. Now at this point in time I'd never been to Batley and knew nothing other than it housed the world-renowned Batley Variety Club. The club was built by James and Betty Corrigan, the Fairground family, in early 1967 and was sited on top of a disused sewage works on Bradford Road in Batley. The club had quickly built up a reputation for hosting the biggest stars, both national and international. Morecambe and Wise, Shirley Bassey, Johnny Mathis, Ken Dodd, Eartha Kitt, Roy Orbison, Gene Pitney, Louis Armstrong, Silla Black and a host of others performed there to sell out crowds. Now, none of the types of stars that performed there were particularly of interest to us, but on the night we were booked for, it was Freddie Starr. At the very start of the 1970s, Starr was at the height of his fame. He was a great comedian, singer and entertainer and had appeared on TV. He'd started as a singer and was managed for a time by Brian Epstein, the Beatles manager, but he'd failed to get success. He'd built up a reputation as a manic comedian and performed on the Royal Variety Show in 1970, where he impersonated Elvis, Mick Jagger and Adolf Hitler, and so we were to see him as he was reaching his stardom. Even after saying this, I can't say that any of us expected much of the night, but we were interested in seeing the famous venue and thought it'd be a great night out. I don't think the tickets were more than a pound or two, and a minibus was arranged to take us and bring us back. I don't think we were all 18, but depending on exactly which year, I might just have been. This never seemed to matter at this time, and not one of us was asked our age. This was a boys-only night out, which was unusual for us, and it was midweek. I can't think that we would have gained much of an education the next day, but I digress. We were picked up, I think from Oakwood Clock, and there was the drive to Batley, it was dark and it was difficult to see what was happening through the windows. I think two of my closest friends at the time, John P and Chris M, were there and possibly Nigel C, but I can't be sure. But there were about ten of us. The night was rainy and I saw a sign for Batley and we entered what appeared to be an industrial area. And it didn't seem a particularly inviting place to find a famous theatrical venue. Suddenly, there were some bright lights and the large illuminated sign displayed Batley Variety Club, appearing tonight, Freddy Star. There was a largish car park, nothing special, but there were a number of coaches dropping ticket holders off. The building was single-storied and had nothing to show it was anything but the usual 1960s-70s working men's club. This was not the auspicious start that I'd hoped for, but I thought that surely it must have something special about it. 
We piled out of the minibus and made our way on a wet night to the door. We all had our tickets and they showed a specific table. We entered and again it was not overly impressive, but was certainly better inside than it appeared from the outside. It was a large venue arranged around a low stage and the audience were seated at tables. Some of the tables were largish for groups and curved in an arch facing the stage with padded backed benches, but some tables were for couples. I seem to remember that you went up a few steps as you entered and when inside it sloped slightly downwards to improve the view. The ceiling was low and the lighting was low, but colourful. And this created atmosphere and probably covered up a multitude of sins. Stained carpets, cracked and smoked stained paint. The place was fairly busy when we arrived and was packed within a short time. Music was blaring and there was an ear-throbbing cacophony of chattering mixed with the odour of stale beer, cigarette smoke, cheap perfume and aftershave. I think the aftershave was ours and Brut was well presented. We were shown to our tables and I believe it was waitress service. Drinks were ordered and payment made when they arrived at the table. I don't think there were such niceties as tabs and settling at the end. The other clientele were exactly what I would have expected, mainly middle-aged, dressed in their finery and determined to have a good time. That meant a lot of drinking, eating and smoking, and they demanded a lot from the entertainment. I can't believe that any northern audience would ever be an easy one for artists to win over. The really big stars such as Shirley Bassey and Roy Orbison had their own fan base and they would only need to appear to win the audience over. Freddie Starr was one of those newcomers who had a growing reputation, but many in the audience would only have seen him, like us, on television. We were waiting to see what he was made of and whether he was as good as his TV performances suggested. I'd never seen a comedian live and I was much more into music but I was enjoying the night and the drinks were flowing, the chatter was animated and fun, and the experience was a totally new one for me. I believe that my parents had been a few times. I think they went with Mr Waits, the driving instructor friend of the family, who used to own Driver Trainer, which was at the Queen's Hall, and they saw Shirley Bassey and Morecambe and Wise. I believe Mr Waits, Stan, used to get complimentary tickets, and they used to go together and have a great time. There was no warm-up, and by about 8.30, Freddie appeared. We knew it was starting as the lights dimmed even more, and the small stage lit up and the band took their places. Freddie Starr appeared in a whirlwind and continued at a manic, frenetic pace for at least two and a half hours. I have to say that he won the audience over within minutes, and every part of the performance rested on his shoulders. He was funny, told brilliant jokes had a great rapport with the audience whom he played with, made fun of, involved and reacted to. His show was interspersed with songs and in particular he showed his love of Elvis Presley. He had a surprisingly good voice and was a brilliant mimic and threw himself about the stage in a way that would have injured most people. His was a very physical performance and his solid, short-legged frame sweated its way through contortions, abuse and great dance moves. The crowd loved every minute. He knew what the audience wanted and he gave it to them. The applause and laughter were rapturous and the crowd drank more and more and became livelier and livelier. The club must have loved him and I'm sure he deserved every penny he was paid. 
Beer and food sales must have skyrocketed. The time went by in a blur, and when you thought it couldn't get any better, it did. He took the audience on a wild ride. You learnt about him, his loves, his background, and there were periods of pathos amongst the act. But just before it took the audience down, he would flip and take them back up with his wit, impersonations and crazy show. At the end of the night, we all had had a great time, and Freddie finally left the stage after several encores. The crowd poured out of the club doors and onto the waiting coaches, and we found our minibus and closed the doors, our ears ringing, and the driver started back to Leeds. The whole evening was so organised and ran like clockwork. Within a short time, we were dropped off and headed back to our homes, and then were up early for school the next day. I thought about Freddie Starr afterwards. It was one hell of a way to earn a living. I believe he was one of seven children and had had a hard upbringing. His father was abusive and broke both Freddie's legs when he was drunk. Because of this, Freddie Starr didn't ever drink, but he did become addicted to Valium. We saw him in his prime and he continued to perform for many years with a number of TV shows. He died in May 2019 in Spain at the age of 76 and despite the famous headlines, Freddie Starr claimed that he never did eat her hamster but the newspaper headline Freddie Starr Ate My Hamster gave his career another major boost. Even more ridiculous as he was a vegetarian. It was obvious from the manic way he performed that he was a complex character. It appears his life consisted of great highs and lows, but on that night he was brilliant. Since this time I've only seen a few other great com comedy shows. One was Spike Milligan in London a couple of years after Freddie, and again he was a pleasant surprise. And others were Dame Edna, Billy Connolly and Bill Bailey here in Perth, Western Australia, and they were fantastic. I should have seen Rob Brydon a couple of nights ago, but couldn't because of other commitments. My sons went, and they said he was very good. Oh, what a night. If you enjoy my stories, then you might like to know that there are two books available, The Cup of Tea Tales, The Early Years, and Another Cup of Tea, The Teenage Years, are available on Amazon and also on Kindle. 